Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We educate, we connect, we care. We're In Social Work. Hello from Buffalo. All right, welcome to the 2020 fall semester in our new world. The fear, the excitement, the anticipation, and the resignation that this is our collective experience. That said, we're back, and we're eager to begin our conversations with thought leaders in our profession. I'm Peter Sabota. Social work is the person and environment profession, and the U.S. environment is awash in guns. Guns owned and experienced by people our clients included. What do social workers know about guns? What about the different kinds of guns, the terminology, how to use them and how to store them safely? And did you know that many social workers pack heat themselves? How about this? What would you do if someone pointed a gun at you? Now that I have your attention, in this episode, Doctors Patricia Logan Green and Mickey Spurlick describe their work exploring social work practice and our ability to prevent gun violence. You may have heard that some folks are calling to respond to racial and caste disparities in policing by sending in the social workers instead of the police. Listen as our guests argue that social work might be best suited to influence gun violence in the U.S. and describe why and what the challenges are and are going to be. Patricia Logan Green, PhD, is Associate Professor, and Mickey Spurlick, PhD, is Assistant Professor here at the UB School of Social Work. They were interviewed in July of 2020 by Adair Finucan, MSW, and a prized graduate of the UB School of Social Work. Hi, I'm Adair, and I'm here today talking with Mickey and Patricia about a project they have related to how social workers can prevent gun violence. So, Mickey and Patricia, how did you get interested in this topic? Well, we're very excited to talk to you about this today. I have always been a violence researcher in my career. However, I never did anything around gun violence. And a few years back, I was preparing to teach a course for the first time called Interpersonal Violence. And I knew I wanted to have a week related to gun violence. So I went looking for what I knew must exist, something like everything social workers need to know about preventing gun violence. And I was shocked to find that there was very little in the social work literature about gun violence in any form, either prevention or even research on it. We do write some things about both interpersonal violence that involves guns as well as suicide, but it's really not been a steady focus of social work research or practice writing, despite what a major impact it has on our public health. Yeah, and I guess I got interested in this when talking to Patricia and also having one of those sort of similar aha moments. So I'm a former midwife and now perinatal mental health researcher, and I've always been interested in violence around pregnancy and early parenting and that sort of thing. And I was looking at maternal mortality rates and ran across some research that just really struck me about how suicide and homicide are among the leading causes of maternal deaths. And 
and that these are actually far more prevalent than many of the obstetric conditions that might lead to death that we might routinely assess for, so things like preeclampsia. So that was fairly shocking, and I too was hopeful that there was a sort of body of literature in the social work field that might help us to understand this better and help us to address it, and it didn't really seem to be there. And I do want to emphasize there are a lot of researchers focusing on this problem, and there are some social workers who have done some really good work both on what social workers can do as well as just researching the problem of gun violence writ large. So one of the first things we did was we started an article that was summarizing the current status of guidance for social work. We drew a lot from other fields. For example, the American Academy of Pediatrics has been very vocal for a long time about recommendations for all pediatricians about how to talk with families about particularly things around safe gun storage and children's access to guns. They've <laughs> had some interesting legal battles arise out of that, but they've, they've really been leaders in the field. And since we've done this project, there's been a bit more from, for example, the National Association of Social Workers. And we found some other collaborators that we've worked with who are social workers who have been working on the problems of gun violence. Yeah, it is a significant problem, as you know. If you look at the statistics from, I think the last that is available from 2017, is that almost 40,000 Americans died of gun violence during that year, 60% of which were suicide, another 37% which were homicide, and another 1.5% which were attributable to police or law enforcement shootings. So this really is a high magnitude problem that we're trying to address. I also think it's really important to note a couple things that don't get talked about in the public discourse. First of all, mass shootings dominate the news in part because they seem so random and terrifying, but that's actually a very small fraction of gun violence in the United States. It's actually less than 1%, which is significantly less than the number of people killed by the police each year. But beyond that, another important fact is that almost 100,000 people survive being shot every year. So we have large swaths of our country who are walking around with gun violence wounds that they may have recovered fully, but in some cases it's going to result in lifelong health impacts and or disabilities, including the mental health impacts of having experienced that kind of trauma. Right. And not to mention the fact that just because somebody wasn't shot themselves doesn't mean they're not deeply impacted by either having lost someone to gun violence or by perhaps caring for someone exactly. who has a gunshot yeah. wound or That's, something along that line. That's such an important point. I don't think there are many Americans who haven't known somebody that has either died or been seriously injured by gun violence. And we as a country are such an outlier in these issues compared to our peer nations that for us to see the gap in this research was really shocking. And I think both Mickey and I felt the strong need to step up and do what we could. We really were starting from very little guidance that particularly addresses social workers. Which is kind of exciting because it means that if nobody's saying how to do it, maybe you get to actually have a say in how it's done, right? That's, that's the hope. Yeah, and I think it is an opportunity, but it's an opportunity in part because social workers of all the professions, we may be the best suited to intervene and prevent gun violence. We already talk to the populations that are most vulnerable to experiencing gun violence, and we talk to them all the time about very sensitive issues. This is what we do all the time, is that we talk to people about these things that may put them in harm's way, and we try to do it sensitively and respectfully 
respectfully, even across ideological or cultural or political differences. So we're really well positioned to prevent all forms of gun violence if we can just figure out how to step up and start doing it. With all of that in mind, it seems like it's pretty evident why we would want to be having this conversation. You're working on a project or some projects right now. Can you talk a little bit about how you got started in the projects that you're doing and what that looked like? Yeah, so the first thing we had done is wrote an article about the current status of guidance for a social worker related to, as I said, there are some certain populations that are more vulnerable. And for that article, we chose families experiencing violence. So that includes both domestic violence as well as violence towards children in the home. In addition, kids and young adults, both in terms of accidental access to firearms, as well as they're intentionally accessing it because of social or mental health reasons as well as adults in general, but particularly older adults who are at risk of suicide. So after having completed that literature review with a basic recommendations of what social workers can start to do, we wanted to go talk to social workers about what they're currently doing and whether or not they've had any training about how to have any conversations with their clients about firearms and gun violence prevention. We did a combination of both individual interviews as well as focus groups, so small groups of about six to 10 people, and they were all social workers practicing in the fields. And we did try to recruit with particular attention to people working in those special areas, but a lot of times somebody coming would bring another friend who's a social worker, and that was fine. So the conversations we had with them really span from just a very basic question, do you talk to your current clients about guns at all? And if so, what does that look like? We prompted about whether or not they talked about asking about suicide risk. Maybe if they did ask about suicide risk, did they include conversations about whether they had access to guns as a particularly lethal means of attempting suicide? We also wanted to know if they asked families whether there are guns in their home. If so, how are they stored? All those different issues. And then we also asked them questions about the trainings that they'd experienced. And then we asked them what they thought they would want to see, both in terms of more trainings, if they wanted what kind of content should be in those, as well as what they thought the role of social workers should be in preventing gun violence. Should they be advocating more? Should they be having these conversations more or not? Is this something that social workers shouldn't be involved in? We really just wanted to get their opinions about this whole topic of gun violence prevention with regard to the field of social work. Yeah, and I think these were very interesting conversations to have. And Adair, you were actually present at most of those focus groups and some of the subsequent individual interviews that we did. And I just wonder if you could share with us a little bit about how it was to conduct the interviews, how you felt the conversation. Yeah, it was very interesting to have the opportunity both to do individual interviews and to run focus groups because they just have a different flavor. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're talking to a group of people, ideas start to spin out organically. And when you're talking one-on-one, it's just a different type of conversation. What I found in both circumstances, it felt like a pressure gasket being released. People really, really wanted to talk about this. And of course, you have a big, big pool of social workers and then the handful, relative handful of social workers who showed up to have these conversations, of course, they're going to have a vested interest. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been spending their time having these conversations. But I found that people were really engaged and they came from all different perspectives. There were gun-toting social workers. There were social workers who had basically never seen a gun 
done before in their lives. So it wasn't as if there was just one sort of faction showing up, but everybody who came, it seemed like they all went, ah, we can talk about this now. And I think that really is illustrated by what Patricia mentioned at the beginning, how there's so little research or was so little research about best practices for social workers with guns. You've got all these social workers who are actually pretty interested in the topic because of what they do for work. And of course, because they live in the world and they read the news. And they're also looking around and saying, wait, what are we supposed to do? So it was a really excellent opportunity to tap into a group of people who had been thinking about this or maybe hadn't been thinking about it but realized it was an issue that they hadn't been thinking a lot about it right so we got some findings in this study. People had things to say. We do. We have embarked on a process of content analysis of the transcripts of both the focus groups and the individual data. And to just walk you through our findings kind of generally, I think there's sort of three generic categories of responses and comments and ideas that arose and that we think are pretty highly influential. And the first just really confirmed that kind of what we thought was true was that similarly to how the literature on social work's response to gun violence is constrained. Also, social work training in this area is really constrained. We had a lot of folks tell us that there really wasn't anything available. They didn't get content on this in their undergraduate or graduate school programs. Some said that they did get some on-the-job training, but it was really focused on like if they were a school social worker, you know, drills for school shootings and that kind of thing, but not really anything very specific and certainly nothing about how guns work, how to safely store them, how to have these difficult conversations, that sort of thing. Some people did do lethality assessments, of course, and they would occasionally, guns would come up in that, but it wasn't very systematic. So then the other sort of broad category that came up is talking about the perceived role of the social worker. So what is my responsibility in terms of addressing this? What's the appropriate circumstances to ask these questions? What do I do when someone disclosed to me that they have a a gun that's not being safely stored or that they're having issues with the guns in their home or on the work setting. And the other thing that really rose was talking about the social workers' sort of individual beliefs about guns and gun violence as compared to what they perceived as their clients' beliefs and views about guns and gun violence, right? So, for instance, many of the people we talked to did talk about sort of recognizing that divide, that they really felt differently than they perceived that their clients thought, but they thought it was really important to maintain good boundaries. So, for instance, one respondent said that, I have very strong boundaries when it comes down to my role as a social worker. I don't bring that at all. I have very strong views about guns and all of that, but I don't bring it to work. At the same time that they had this sort of ethos of like, I'm going to really maintain those boundaries and not make judgments about clients. It also was personally difficult for them to hear the attitudes of clients sometimes and to know that things are not safe in their home, that they have attitudes that they see as sort of inherently risky and dangerous. So that's sort of the big picture in terms of all of that. How do we negotiate massive gun culture that we have in the U.S., but still get that message out about safety and risk? and all of that. So that's kind of the the big picture in terms of the findings. It was very interesting 
Yeah, it was very interesting. We had a lot of people saying more or less what we expected them to say, but we also had a lot of people saying very unexpected things. Yes. For example, some people talked about how they're not allowed to carry on the job, but they go to places where they felt very unsafe not carrying, so they carried anyway because they knew that the chances of the police getting there in time were minimal. They also talked about their clients living in social situations where the clients felt they needed to have a gun on them in order to feel safe. One thing I think it's important to note is that we're really being agnostic on the issue of gun policy in the bulk of this project. It's not that we don't think gun control legislation is important. It's just a, it's somewhat tangential to our central mission of trying to get social workers to talk to their clients about these issues. So we think that social workers even those who are the most fierce Second Amendment advocates would recognize that the main goal is to prevent our clients from getting hurt and from potentially hurting other people. So I think we can go ahead and have these conversations regardless of how you feel about gun control writ large. It's still important to engage in this form of violence prevention. So, you know, in terms of the implications of our study, one of the big take-home pieces is that we still have a big need for that what social workers need to know about guns chapter that I went looking for (laughs) those years ago. That still really isn't out there. There were a lot of social workers who said that they just didn't know anything about guns. When people talk about gun storage, safe gun storage, what does that even mean? Or they had personal fears about guns to the extent that they sort of actively avoided even finding anything out. Right, absolutely. And honestly, I think that so many social workers have such little personal experience with guns is why there is so little research Mm -hmm. about how to prevent the gun violence out there. But we do need to know things about this, just like we need to know things about, for example, safe sex practices, or we need to know about substance abuse, just as responsible social workers in a diverse practice Smoking, smoking cessation, smoking substance cessation. use, you know, any number of public health issues, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have to have at least a little bit of knowledge, or at least the knowledge about where to get more information if we need it, if it comes up with one of our clients. And I also think it's important that there's so many contextual differences around the gun violence issues that social workers need to be aware of. For example, state statutes vary so widely about gun access that the advice to social workers in a state like California would be completely different than a state like Montana or or a state with very different cultural and legal expectations around guns. You know, for example, in some states, you have a very extensive application process in order to conceal carry. In other states, if you can pass the pretty minimal background check that is at the gun store or the person down the street who's selling you the gun, you can conceal carry with no problems. There's very few exceptions about where you can go with your weapon. There's geographical differences, but there's also the type of practice. And it's, again, all these things that social workers are really good at. We're very good at understanding our current social milieu. You know, it's the foundational person environment context that social workers do all day long. I think if we can get some basic information out there to social workers about how to start having these conversations, we have the potential to make a big difference in the gun violence rates in our country. 
it had better start somewhere. Something has to happen, so I'm really glad that this ball is rolling. To go back to the context piece, I think it's worth mentioning too that there are different cultures around guns. There are cultures where having legal guns is more typical. You know, you have environments where hunting is like a big cultural thing. You also have environments where having illegal guns is more likely. And there's so much that social workers could benefit from knowing about how do you engage in a conversation about a gun that was purchased and has a license versus a gun that somebody may not legally be allowed to have, but is clearly owning for the sake of protection of themselves. It may even be seen as necessary Mm -hmm. from the perspective of the social worker and the client. So there's so much specificity and context that needs addressing here because it's not a one-size-fits-all answer for every conversation, even though safety is the overarching point, right? Right. Well, I have a quote from a participant. Here it goes. Let's say someone pulls a gun on you. And I think we don't do it because we're afraid to scare people. But it's not like that isn't going through people's minds anyway. So just address it. What do you do if someone pulls a gun on you? So this is a social worker who's wondering, what do you do if someone pulls a gun on you? And we shouldn't be avoiding the question just because we're afraid of the answer. And I I think too that things have really changed in our country and that a lot of that that is really relevant, right? With the pandemic and all the marches against uh, racial injustice and police brutality and everything, one might think that maybe the gun violence issue has sort of been laid to rest for a minute or, you know, is also on pause like the rest of our society, but that is not the case, unfortunately. The nation's gun violence epidemic has basically just grown. During the pandemic, we were looking at some research just from the news, NBC, ABC, looking at the increases in firearm fatalities. In April of 2020, there was a 16% increase. In May, a 15% increase compared to last year, compared to 2019, even though so many Americans were home, right? Supposedly sheltering in place, right? And May of this year also witnessed the highest number of mass shootings, and that's defined as more than four people being shot. We've been tracking that data since 2013. So clearly this is not a problem that's just been temporarily placed on hold or anything, right? May set a record, but then June immediately beat that record for the number of mass shootings since the data had been tracked in 2013. And very importantly, there's preliminary data to suggest that suicide rates have also been increasing drastically. Estimates are that it's at least about a 20% increase in 2020 compared to previous times, according to studies from the Everytown for Gun Safety. I also think it's important to note our cultural response to the pandemic apparently was to go out and buy a lot of guns. There was an almost unprecedented surge in gun purchases at the early stage of this pandemic. I'm assuming people were worried about what kind of social unrest we would be facing, and maybe that's still to come. We've certainly had some, some social unrest, as we've seen in other parts of 2020. But a large portion of those purchases were made by first-time gun owners. We have this very strange situation right now and an already strange year in which we have this unprecedented pandemic. We have unprecedented rates of buying guns in our country, and we have some significant economic and mental health strains going on right now. And I don't think we know yet what the end of that story is going to be. Not to mention a bunch of people who just bought a gun for the first time who don't know how to shoot it and maybe don't know how to store it. 
Exactly. Absolutely. And not to mention, you know, people being cooped up together and uh, people who are already in domestic violence situations, mm-hmm. that increasing and just overall rates of domestic violence are increasing right now during the pandemic as well. It's really placing people at a lot of risk. I think there are a lot of cities and states that are seeing all of these rates go up really dramatically. And this surprises people because it's not making the news as often because every day in our country is a big news day <laughs> these days. So it's not reaching the public discourse, but it has not gone away and maybe getting much, much worse. One of the things that has made the news are the calls to defund the police. Many people have said, bring social workers in instead of the police. Can you talk about what that might look like, concerns or support for, etc.? Yeah, I mean, that's all very complicated, right? I mean, I think in the social workers have demonstrated that they can respond in very tricky situations and generally know about how to respond sensitively. Some know how to de-escalate, but the gun piece, I think that's probably pretty brand spanking new for a lot of social workers. How do I actually go about addressing someone who's pointing a gun at me or is threatening to kill themselves or somebody else? I think it's an apt call on the part of activists to say that we want to move to more community police models, separating out a lot of the responses to different incidents to be on the part of social workers and and to not be a police response. I think that's great, but who's going to train the social workers in these high-powered de-escalation techniques and on really, you know, walking someone back who's a threat to themselves or somebody else with a gun, right? And one of the answers, I think, to this is that we as social workers need to be able to talk to people about this issue, not just our clients, but about other people. The discourse around gun violence is obviously very polarized in our country. And it's also very technical sometimes. Some of the laws are very technical. The laws pertaining to assault weapons in particular, which is a bit of terminology that is virtually meaningless, but it's still the term that gets bandied about all the time, assault weapons banned. We need to be able to have these conversations in an educated manner. And it doesn't mean that social workers need to learn all the technical aspects about guns, but we should know the basics of the policies. We should know what a semi-automatic weapon is, and we should know what we're talking about when we talk about what kind of gun policies we want. We want to know the evidence behind those different gun policies that we're advocating for. And that's a piece of education that social workers simply aren't getting. We're certainly not saying we all need to be experts about it, but we need to have enough education to have these basic conversations and to talk to police if we're going to start having a better collaboration about how to respond in our communities to emergent incidents. And of course, the <laughs> the calls to defund the police and send social workers in instead are, that's a tremendously complicated conversation we don't really have the time for today. But I think there's a lot social workers need to do to become responsive to this important issue in our communities before we can really take on that sort of responsibility. No doubt. And amen. With that in mind, you're not done. You have other plans, right? What are the next steps? We, we have taken other steps. You know, we have this qualitative study that we talked about today. We've also co-edited a special issue of Health and Social Work Journal that was focused on gun violence, the first ever one. Special yes. issue in social work to focus on gun violence. So that happened, and that was good. So we're sort of been in this information gathering phase, basically. And now we're trying to figure out how can we best go about the business of educating social workers about this. So we actually had a private funder 
who reached out to us when they heard that we were working on this issue to see if they could provide some funding to help us figure something out. So what we're developing is an online course to train social workers to recognize and respond to clients who might be at risk of gun violence, either for perpetration or victimization, and also looking at suicide. We envision this being available widely to social workers, and it would help fill some of those gaps that that Patricia was talking about in terms of understanding state by state what's happening, some of the intricacies of that, what are the laws, what are the basics about guns, what are the different types of guns, what are the safety features on them, how do you do lethality assessments, suicidality assessments that directly address weapons? How do you do subsequent safety planning that takes all of that contextual factors into consideration? And hopefully encouraging social workers to find ways that they can advocate for clients and for themselves around these issues and to learn more. Certainly, it's just going to be a starting point. We don't see ourselves as experts on guns or gun control for that matter, but we think it's important. And that's what we bring to the table, I think, is just seeing the importance of it and trying to generate more knowledge around it. Yeah, Absolutely. And I don't think it's necessarily a situation where we have to be firearm experts in order to start these conversations. Right. So we've certainly been trying to educate ourselves as we've gone through. All three of us, for example, went to a firing range and had a little lesson about about shooting. A dare in particular is a natural. <laughs> I do love to shoot guns. <laughs> I am not. I am not a natural at shooting guns. They're very loud. Very, very loud. They are very loud. And I recommend anybody out there who does this, make sure you get the heavy-duty ear protection because I couldn't hear in my one ear for four days after that. I think this is a great example of not needing to be an expert in order to be helpful. I think there's a toxin in our culture, especially even in the academic culture, where the idea is that we have to have such an extreme amount of expertise in order to speak on something. And that's simply not true. It's important to be transparent about what you do and don't know. But to let that stop you would have meant that a lot of work that's being done and that's going to be done on guns and gun safety with regard to social workers wouldn't have been done. So I applaud your willingness to dive into something that was clearly important, even though you don't have years and years of experience on lobbying for gun control or whatever it is, right? Well, and I think even though we're, we're focusing here on social workers and how do we educate social workers around these issues, but the truth is that the knowledge that's been generated around this is across disciplines. You know, mm-hmm. Patricia was talking earlier about pediatricians have really spoken out about this, for instance, and I think we need to really rest into those sort of multidisciplinary collaborations in order to generate content for social workers or for any human service worker, really. With all of that in mind, it seems like it's pretty evident why we would want to be having this conversation. Globally, I think that's part of the reason that social workers have sort of backed off from addressing this is because they do recognize that sort of divide between what they might think about guns and what their clients might think about guns or what the broader society thinks about guns. But I think one of the things that really came true for me in reading through these transcripts is that even though people have those stances, sort of preset stances, once you get into the conversation, they're really able to to relate at the level of nuance and to see that you can be a social worker who hunts and, and is a responsible gun owner and buys into some version of some kind of gun control and also can appreciate someone who is deathly afraid of guns and can't address the topic at all, right? So I think that the more we have these conversations and sort of as congenial of a way 
as possible with the facts present to every degree possible, that I think we could eventually start to move the needle on this. But we need to hear all those voices, I think. I would agree. Thank you so much. You've been listening to doctors Patricia Logan Green and Mickey Spurlick discuss gun violence and social work practice on In Social Work. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, professor and dean of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our online and on-the-ground degree in continuing education programs, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. And while you're there, check out our Technology and Social Work Resource Center. You'll find it under the Community Resources menu.